With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, thank you for joining me. Happy Thursday to you and yours. It's the day after hump day. We're almost to the weekend. Friday's just around the corner. We have an awesome, fantastic show planned for you today. Uh, it's a bit of a serious show uh, for, to start out with. Uh, Matt Walsh of the Daily Wire of the man that made the documentary, What is a Woman, is under serious attack. He's been hacked. Uh, his family has been uh, targeted. We're going to get into that and what it all means. Uh, we're also going to, uh, TJ Moe's going to help me unpack that. Then uh, Virgil Walker's going to join me, and we're going to talk about a little bit of Matt Walsh, but also a lot about a guy named Stephen Wolf, who wrote the book, Christian nationalism, the case for Christian nationalism. Stephen Wolf put out a tweet uh, in the past 24, 48 hours that offended some, did not offend me. He basically said uh, white evangelicals are the lone bulwark uh, fighting the transgender movement, or no, I'm sorry, fighting uh, American immorality or you know the insanity going on in America. That offended some didn't offend me. It concerned me that he would make that comment. We'll talk about it with Virgil Walker. He may have a different take. Shamika Michelle is going to come on and join the show and talk about uh, John Jonathan Majors, the movie star, who looks like he's going to be the Deshaun Watson of Hollywood. Uh, accusations flying everywhere, women coming out of the woodwork, uh, apparently accusing uh, Jonathan Majors of abusive behavior. Uh, we'll see if this ends his career. Uh, we'll also talk with uh, Shamika about uh, the interracial couple in Chicago that the black teenagers attacked. Uh, it, it looked like they attacked a white woman, but they actually attacked a white woman and her black boyfriend. Uh, we'll talk about that with Shamika Michelle. And then uh, we will end the show. Uh, I keep telling you guys in the audience, if you want to get on the show, the way to get on the show is to download the approval app and do something in that approval app that uh, catches my attention. And bada bing, bada boom, you can be right here on the show debating me. We're going to circle back uh, to the kid from Purdue. Uh, you know, I, we had him on earlier in the week. Uh, his dad is like a brother, a cousin to me. I've been, you know, a part of the Bowles family, and the Bowles family has been a part of the Whitlock family for my entire life. Uh, Freddie, my 50-some-odd-year friend, his youngest son, Jordan, uh, has quite the personality and knows how to get on that uh, the approval rating app. And I'm you can download it from your Apple Store, uh, from your Google Play Store, if you got an Android phone. 
Uh, but uh, he's got some thoughts on Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies and LeBron James and what LeBron's response is going to be to that loss uh, that the Lakers had last night. And so we'll end the show on a lighter note, inviting you, the audience, into the show. If you want to get on the show, download that approval app, catch my attention, and, you know, with your comments or with your ratings, and you too can be on the show. Uh, before I uh, get to talking about uh, today's show and, and our primary sponsor today, I do want to tell you uh, right now, start pounding that like button. This is going to be an awesome show. We need 5,000 likes. Uh, I need you hitting the in the comments. I need you hitting the subscribe. I need you getting the notifications. If you're listening over Apple, pound that five-star uh, rating. Write a little review in. Uh, we need to fight the algorithm because, again, as you listen to me unpack this Matt Walsh story, you'll start to figure out what it is we're up against and why your support is the only thing standing between us and being shadow banned, demonetized, uh, eviscerated, erased, censored from YouTube and from all of these platforms. And that's why you have to join the fight and fight the algorithm with uh, these likes are very important. These five-star reviews on Apple are very important. It's not just me up here begging and pandering or whatever. If we're actually going to enter into this culture war, I need you all enlisted in this fight with me. And there's just very simple, easy ask that I'm making. You're not going to break a sweat. It's not going to cost you any money. Uh, just need you to, you know, join me in this fight and fight in the algorithm. Hit the likes, hit the five-star reviews, leave a comment. Help us fight the algorithm. All right, uh, the other thing, now I am going to ask for a little money here because this is my favorite topic, Preborn. Our friends at Preborn and the mindset that we here at Fearless are adopting and trying to spread uh, throughout all of America, and particularly throughout American men, is that life begins in the womb. Life begins at conception. And... Part of that mindset is supporting young women who find themselves pregnant and contemplating abortion and what we can do, very easy thing we can do, we can provide that young woman an ultrasound, introduce that woman to her baby's image inside the womb and the heartbeat of that baby. When that woman hears that heartbeat, sees that image, 70, 80% of the time, she's going to choose life. And then that's when preborn's gonna step in with all the support and help and materials and everything she needs to get through the pregnancy and get through the first two years of that baby's life. That's what preborn supplies. They've saved more than 200,000 babies. We here at The Blaze partnered with preborn. Those of us in this fearless army, partner with Preborn. We're going to save 50,000 babies' lives this year. We're going to do it by giving $28 to pay for one ultrasound, $140 to pay for five ultrasounds. Hey, you may want to donate $1,000 and pay for a bunch of ultrasounds. All the money goes to ultrasounds. It's not going to mid-level executives and, and their 401ks. You guys, we brought Dan Steiner on the show to talk about where the money goes. We've met Dan Steiner, Steiner, great man, great organization. This is part of our adoption of a mindset. It's one of the steps we take as fearless soldiers. 
we give to preborn, we support life in the womb, we know that adopting that mindset will help drive the rest of our mindset towards God and towards an outlook on life that will help this country and change this culture. Uh, so you guys know what to do, pound 250 and say the keyword baby or give the Jason Whitlock way, preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. Your love has the power to save a life. Preborn.com slash Jason. Dial pound 250, see the keyword baby. Thank you so much. All right, uh, I want to get into uh, this Matt Walsh situation. Matt Walsh, uh, a very popular member of the uh, Daily Wire team. He, he's done, other than Ben Shapiro, he's probably the most popular guy over at the Daily Wire ever since he did the documentary, uh, What is a Woman? He's in the middle of this transgender fight. He, he understands it. He's not backing down. He and his family have faced all kinds of threats. Uh, they're trying to intimidate this man and back him down. Uh, we pray for Matt regularly here at Fearless. I hope you do as well. Uh, well, the, the fight has escalated. Under the pretense of a hack, uh, they have, someone has gotten access to his phone. Anyway, I'm, I'm gonna read from Jeremy Boring, the CEO of, of the Daily Wire. Everybody took notice of this two, three days ago when Matt Walsh's Twitter feed started tweeting out a bunch of stuff that sounded silly and, and, and didn't sound like him, and it was, a lot of it was inappropriate. Uh, but Jeremy Boring put out a statement last night. You may be aware that uh, Matt Walsh had his Twitter account hacked last night. What you may not know is that the attack went well beyond Twitter. The hackers have managed to gain access to, well, everything, including 20 years of Matt's emails. The war, the culture war that we're having, the trans war that we're having, just went to the next level. It just went to the next level. I'm gonna continue reading uh, from Jeremy Boring here. This may not be on screen. What's, what scandalous information will the hackers find in Matt's emails? I do not know. I'm sure I said things in my 20s that I wouldn't feel great having aired publicly. What will the Daily Wire's response be to things 20-year-old Matt may have said? Laugh out loud. Awesome. That's exactly what they should do. Someone hacked my emails or, or hacked the Jason Whitlock of 20, 30 years ago. I've said all kinds of incredibly stupid things, inappropriate things. Th this is love with you. And I don't care what the guy said 20 years. And I'm talking about anything. I don't care. I know and I believe where Matt Wall stands today. I love it. Not, I, I love it, I support it. We're gonna protect this guy at all costs. Uh, Jeremy goes on to say this hack, as terrible and invasive as it is, just another day at the office for us. Here's a brief look at just the last 48 hours. First, Matt Walsh was demonetized on YouTube for violating some opaque, arbitrarily applied standard or another related to speaking the biological truth about Dylan Mulvaney. I can't be more specific because the capriciousness is the point for these platforms. Just 24 hours later, Brett Cooper was permanently banned from TikTok. Her crime, I don't know because <laughs> his capriciousness is the point. 
At the exact moment Matt Walsh was being hacked by criminals, Michael Knowles was being evacuated from Pitt Tweet, I think, is that the University of Pittsburgh? Maybe, yeah, University of Pittsburgh because of a violent riot protecting his speech in which trans activists and sundry other leftists burned Michael's effigy, burned Michael in effigy and tussled with police. That's just the last 48 hours, and that's, that's in addition to all the usual death threats, harassment, corporate targeting that are daily companions of the real daily, of the, yeah, of the real daily wire. He goes on to explain how much money this is costing the Daily Wire. And he goes on to explain how the entire system is rigged against conservative media outlets and how we're financially punished for not adopting left-wing positions on everything. That, that there's a whole, you gotta go read the, the tweet thread because it explains, look, tech giants like YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and until Elon Musk wrote a check at Twitter, flagging, banning, throttling, shadow banning, and demonetizing us is a constant occurrence. We're continually fact-checked. Almost all the fact-checks are removed on appeal, but not before they, the desired effect of stunning our reach and effectiveness and making it poss impossible to earn revenue. Billionaire-funded nonprofits like, I think this is Media Matters, yeah, Media Matters, pay people to post out-of-context clips of our shows and to pressure advertisers not to spend money with us. The reason I'm saying all this, it's not just the Daily Wire. This is across the board. This is what happens to Blaze Talent. This is what Steven Crowder was talking about. This is why when I start the show and I start talking about hit the likes hit the, and fighting the algorithm, we're up against it. There is a trans war. I'm calling it a trans war, but and, and you can hear the gender dysphoria in that. But the trans war is really about transitioning America to a satanic culture, period, end of story. It is happening right before our eyes, right before our eyes. And many of you are just, oh, it's gonna go back to normal. It's gonna go away. I'm just gonna sit here patiently until sanity returns. It's not going to just return. We're going to have to do something about it. And that's why when I was talking about roll call and the suggestions, the, the things that I want us focusing on about getting our minds right, we have to get our minds right. We have to understand our identity. And the reason why you hear me talk all the time about Matt Walsh, and I celebrate Matt Walsh like he's my co-host here at The Blaze, it's because I believe Matt Walsh, and he identifies as a Christian, he is on my team. And that's the team we all have to get on. Matt Walsh is not some white guy. Matt Walsh is not some, uh, he's not even a Catholic to me and I know that he's a Catholic. He's a Christian. He, he's not any of these other identities that are different from me. He's a Christian and he's putting his beliefs and, and finances on the line to support biblical values. I respect the hell out of Matt Walsh, and I'm gonna support him like a true teammate. And that doesn't mean 
Everything Matt Walsh does, I'm going to agree with, and I may occasionally criticize him. Hey, I had some criticisms of what is a woman. I wish they had made God more front and center. I think now as we've gotten further down the road, they can probably understand why I had that criticism. We're in a battle of good versus evil. To some of you, some of you that are secular, uh, soft believers, that may sound crazy, that may sound apocalyptic, that may sound like a conspiracy theory, exaggerated. You're going to find out what this is about. And when I'm gonna play you this video of this transgender man, this man who thinks he's a woman, and he's telling you to your face the mentality of the other side. And then maybe you'll understand what type of war we're in. It's not just going to go away. The other side has soldiers willing to die, willing to lay their life on the line for their satanic worldview. These are not harmless people. These aren't people that, oh, you know, they just want to live and let live. They want to impose their worldview on the rest of us. They want to transition this country from a biblical Judeo-Christian culture and, and what it used to be. It's not anymore. But they're not, they're just not satisfied with a secular culture. They are going to push a satanic culture until they have it. And they're willing to die for that right and to win this transitional culture war that we're in. Let's play the clip of the trans man letting you know where he, what lengths he's willing to go to to see his worldview prevail. If you back a wild animal into a corner, they're gonna become a dangerous animal. So if you want to die on that hill of yours of righteousness and moral majority, then you go right ahead. I dare you to try and stop me from going into a women's bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. I dare you to try and stop a transgender woman in my presence from using the bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. This is a call to action and a call to arms to everybody within the United States that are scared, worried, have children that are transgender, lesbian, bi, or gay. This is a call to action. You need to arm up. Plain and simple. Go out, buy a gun, learn how to use it efficiently, through and through, because the time to act is now. You need to protect yourself and you need to protect your fellow transgender brothers and sisters and theys and thems. You need to protect the rest of us in the LGB community, as I'm going to do myself. Because there are lots of people like me who are not afraid to die. I love my girlfriends to death, but I would rather die for them to secure their safety, freedom, and future than to live and not have anything done. So you go ahead. You protect your kids from me using the bathroom. You've been warned. He's not 
saying anything new. He's just saying the quiet part out loud. That mentality is at the heart of Black Lives Matter. That mentality is at the heart of Antifa. I've told you all for years, from the inception of Black Lives Matter, this was nothing to do with black people. This was always the LGBTQ movement. And when those three black Marxist lesbians founded Black Lives Matter, and a lot of you all went for the okie doke and went for the BS, I was saying as loudly as I could, this ain't black, this is gay, this is LGBTQ, this is silent P, pedophilia. That's what it is. And you can live in denial and, oh, I got a gay friend and they're not like that. And I'm not saying they all are. But that movement has been hijacked by guys like that who want to overturn 250 some odd years of tradition and history and, and, and 6,000 years of biblical wisdom because that man feels like a woman. We're going to upset and turn over the whole thing because there's some people that have sticks and balls who feel like a woman. Or there's some women with vaginas who wish they had sticks and balls. Now, I'm sorry. I feel sorry for them. Thank God it's not me. But we're not overturning all of this for them. More than help, uh, happy to help them get the counseling and the mental health care that they need. But that man in a bathroom with your daughter. If you're a coward and don't want to do anything about that man being in a bathroom, in a shower, competing against your daughter. They got a special place in hell for you. Special place. If, if, if that doesn't provoke you, if this is the world you want to leave your kids and your grandkids, where that man, Richard Levine, and that's not Richard Levine or Rachel Levine or whatever he's calling himself, but that's his kindred spirit. That's his mo- uh, brother from another mother. I, I don't dislike these people, but it's not their country to run. And, and they have armed up. They've been armed up at these Black Lives Matter riots and looting. They've been armed up at these overtaking of these Chaz cities through Antifa. It's always the lunatic gender dysphoric people at the heart of that. And they're willing and ready and anticipating doing violence so that their worldview will prevail. We got to get our minds right and we got to prepare for what's coming. This will not be easy. TJ Moe, welcome to the show. Uh, You know, what's going on here? Uh, with the Daily Wire and Matt Walsh, I think it's a, a chilling effect for the rest of the media, and and it it speaks to why 
so many people in the media that know better sit quietly and, and do nothing and just say, because they're scared and, and they, they don't have any type of real relationship with God and so they're afraid of death and they just want things to be easy and so they, they know this is wrong but they're gonna say nothing and, and, and I would imagine there's some conservative people and liberal people and other that, that look at what's happening to Matt Walsh and say, uh, I'll do anything to have that not happen to me. And so they're just gonna roll with, they're gonna roll through a lot of people, uh, but not me and not what we're doing here at Fearless. Yeah, it's a short-sighted approach. Um, Self-preservation in the short term, particularly when there is a catastrophic threat that is hanging over the top of you. Um, you may preserve yourself, but your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids in America is going down the tubes. I just, I can't get in that mindset. Um, anybody with faith, I don't know how you get in that mindset of just allowing things to happen. America was literally founded on the opposite. It was founded on we will die for this freedom, for our religious freedom, for our ability to govern ourselves. You know, everybody talks about taxation without representation. Today, when was the last time you saw somebody? There was a time where I think uh, people in the old days, there were almost riots over a 2% tax rate. Now we're at darn near 50%. Like Americans don't fight for anything today. It doesn't The government's in charge of everything. And so we just take it because, well, our, our life is pretty good. And yeah. America's the highest standard of living of all time. We're good. Just let the government take over. And the more money and the more power and the more influence you give to that government, the less freedom you have, and you are sabotaging your own children. And if you can't think of it that way, I can't help you. If you don't love your kids enough to say, I am willing to sacrifice myself and my reputation and our short-term well-being, even within this family, for your future, I can't help you. And Look, it's biblical. You go through... Uh, Psalm 146.3 says, do not put your trust in princes or human beings who cannot save you. Don't put your trust in the government. They can't save you. Don't put your trust in these corporations. They can't save you. Proverbs, uh, excuse me, Psalm 118.8 says, it is better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in man. These men can't save you. Even Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh can't save us. You better jump in this fight and save yourself. I love Matt Walsh. You know, he, he's up there with the highest score I've ever given in approval rating history. But I'm telling you, Matt Walsh can't save me. And I know this, Matt Walsh is trying to save himself and his kids, but I promise that's not a big enough army. And there is an army of people like we just saw that dude who thinks he's a woman who says, I will kill you if you don't let me go into the bathroom that I want. And so there's a lot of those people. I mean, that's a demonstration of mental illness. And if you're too cowardly to step in the way, I, I can't help you. I... I, I... I've been saying, and you've, people have heard me on this show say it a thousand times, that pedophilia is next. And, and that same guy, there will be a version of him, uh, there will be a version of him that will be speaking out for pedophiles very soon. Mm -hmm. And, 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 I just don't know how anybody can be a father or a mother and, and think 
that their six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old kid should be uh, put in a position where where they could be sexually exploited by an adult, and we're supposed to be good with it because oh, that's a minor attracted person. That is where we're headed. I've argued with people that oh, there it won't be that. It won't be this. It won't. And and and, and I don't think those same people. I would call out someone prominent that I absolutely love, and and me and this person had a big argument about that, and they got very uncomfortable when I kept talking about the pedophile thing and being next. I guarantee you that person knows I'm right today. This was probably a year ago. We had an argument in public about it, and 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 I was trying to. I'm, this is where it's headed, and it, it, it's it's it, it, it's no different. Like. Be, it's not, I'm not demonizing the LGBTQ or the LGBT or, or, or whatever. But, but if you keep normalizing things that aren't normal, they're going to keep normalizing non-normal things. It's never going to stop. And if, people will be marrying dogs if we don't stop this. Mm-hmm. And, and they'll be sleeping with dogs out in front of everybody. And, and, and it sounds crazy, but that's what happens when there are no lines. And, and there has to be lines. And, and that's where I keep saying with this whole feminized culture where women just want to get along and they just want everybody to be happy. And I love that about them. But you can't run a society that way. It, it just it just can't be. And so we got to and I'm glad we did roll call and we're going to continue on. But we got to we got to have a real, real revival, a nationwide revival just to, to wake people up, man, to, to the truth. And, and I know I'm just but this this thing just bothers me to know the. Because I, I, despite what's going on with Matt Walsh, I'm still fearful some people don't realize just how far this thing has gone and will continue to go. Yeah, we have to have an objective morality that we can agree on. If we can't, this is the battle we fight. Now, ben Shapiro actually gave a great breakdown of you know, how normalization works. If you got a, a vegan, a vegetarian, a girl in your family who she comes to a dinner with, you know, just just your regular dinner. Well, sorry, I'm not I'm not going to eat meat. And so does your mom want to make two meals or does she just want to make a meal without meat? Well, now everybody's a vegetarian. And then you go to the party and you say, I'm sorry, my daughter doesn't she doesn't eat meat. And, and does everybody at the party want to make a whole separate group for your daughter or is now everybody at the party a vegetarian and that's how you go the bigger you go and you're like look i can't i can't do all this extra work and so pretty soon one person has changed 500 people a thousand people and what they're allowed to do and that's what this lgbt thing is everybody now has to put up with these special preferences of singular people and we act like it's a it's a huge group of these people but it's not. It's a tiny fraction. Before everybody went insane, it was 0.4% of the population. And now we've got dudes. That that guy looked big. That guy's got 6'2", 260 pounds. That's a big dude. I do want to point out, can I can I just point out, that was not very ladylike of him to uh, 
to jump in there and say he was going to kill someone uh, for going into the bathroom. If you're trying to be a lady, perhaps you're not uh, threatening someone's life. And, and how about the idea that he's calling for our this is a call to arms. Remember Lori Lightfoot did that not too long ago. And as long as you're in the alphabet mafia, a call to arms is totally five. But if Donald Trump on January 6th says we're peacefully marching down to the Capitol, well, that's a real call to arms and we got to put a stop to this. And now we have a January 6th committee. And so it's just, this is the normalization. We make excuses for everything that they do. There, this is what you feel comfortable as a guy like that. You feel comfortable because no one has the balls to step out and say, this dude's mentally insane. He needs to be institutionalized. And if he kills someone, that's on your hands. You know, it's this is I've gone back and forth on this because I don't I'm reluctant to take guns from anyone. But these are mentally ill people. Should these LGBT people have guns? We know they're mentally ill. It's forever that the DSM four, DSM five. We said they're mentally ill. And so now society has moved and we're like, well, no, it's actually totally normal to be trapped in the wrong body. In fact, it's 20 percent of the population. Now they're mentally ill. And do we really want them to have guns? And again, who gets to decide that? That's sticky. I would lean on the side of give them a gun, give me my gun, and we'll see how it works out for them and their mental illness. But I'm just telling you, we're in dicey territory with these people who we have enabled to feel this way and that our microaggressions of giving them the wrong look is, is worth a macroaggression of them murdering us. TJ, we were in a conversation yesterday uh, at the end of our prayer call with uh, someone in our group who's, you know, high-end tech executive, and, and he was helping us understand and really confirming something that I believe, but it was always, you know, reluctant to say out loud, but since he brought it to the table, I was like, oh, this is awesome, is they're calling this a hack of what went on with Matt Walsh. And, and our friend was saying, nah, this is a leak. There, there, is, there, there is no such thing really as a hack. This is uh, alphabet uh, institutions, FBI, CIA, uh, leaking information. This is the whoever's in control, the puppet masters of the military industrial complex and the surveillance community. It's like, oh, we, we want to put Matt Walsh down, so let's leak his information to someone who will misuse it and, and try to embarrass the guy. Th that's kind of where, where I believe, you know, this whole thing of cybersecurity and make sure you got a strong password and two party authentication and all that other stuff. If they want to out you because they have us attached to these phones and they have us law, uh, putting all of our information on a phone, th they can always get you. And th th this all attaches to why I'm saying, gentlemen, we got some sacrifices we got to make. We have to live righteously or they're going to use our sin to silence us. Mm -hmm. And so I know that many of you guys out there, you love your porn. You like your little side piece. You, you, you like a lot of things that you're just not supposed to have. It's going to cost your kids their freedom and the America that you want to leave them. And, and we can't protect them if we're not willing to live a righteous life, because trust me, they know all 
of our secrets, all of them. It's in our phones, it's on our web browsers, it's on our laptops, it's on our iPads, and they have access to all of it, and at any time. And again, I, I don't, I'm not expecting anything really uh, bad coming out of this Matt Walsh leak, but I, I, the reason why so many of you are petrified and, and, and won't stand up is because you're living fear like, oh boy, if they hack me or leak my information, I'm toast. My marriage is destroyed. Uh, my position at the church is destroyed. Could cost me my job. You gotta come up out of the wickedness and confess the wickedness, come up out of it. D don't, don't be ashamed of it, because trust me, there's nothing you've done uh, heterosexual that I haven't done. Uh, there, there, there's nothing you've done that God won't forgive, and that includes anything and everything. So uh, that, that, that conversation last night really confirmed in my mind where we're at and, and, and why it's such a treacherous situation and why it's time you got to get right with God. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, it's so our friend told us what it likely was. Matt Walsh actually came out and confirmed that. He said, look, somebody at the company, we don't know who, a rogue employee or whatever, actually gave this hacker a SIM card with access to my phone and he created a clone phone. So he didn't even need to get his phone. He didn't even need to hack into the phone. All he did was put in a new SIM card and now he got all the text messages. And as he said, forgot password, he got all the two factor authentication, everything that he needed was sent right to the phone. And the guy was even taunting Matt by taking a picture of the phone and showing him that he had it and posting it on Twitter. And so this is why, you know, how many times have we talked about a parallel economy? This is why we have to align with people who have our values and create our own stuff. There's a bank that is is in the works. It's, uh, I was reading it today. It's a group of billionaires who are just tired of the Bank of America's and all these other woke banks paying for abortions. And they're like, they're giving $4,000 to their employees to fly to California and get an abortion. And that's, they're taking my money to do that, all the interest on my money. And so they're, they're naming it Pro-Life Bank. And they're like, we're starting something new. We're not doing this anymore. And we have to create this parallel economy for people that have our values so that there's not some rogue alphabet employee in there that says, oh, this guy, this guy's pro-life. He's worth ruining his life. Just that one stance, we're going to ruin his life. And here's all these hackers don't even have to hack in. And so that's it. It is it is a mandate, you know, and many of our top people, you, know, you look around, there are a lot of people who have a ton of money who profess to be Christians. What are they doing? Why haven't you started these things? Why haven't we at least heard about them? Why haven't we done crowdfunding? I'll pitch in some money to start something. I don't need any ownership. I just need somewhere else to go. So why not somebody who's got a couple billion dollars say, hey, this, this Amazon thing's not working. Let's try to start our own. It's what's going to have its glitches. Why isn't there a, a bank version and a... I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Uh, t take, take Robert Kraft, billionaire, uh, was a friend of Trump's, but he's so trapped by his sin. And, and he, you know, where'd they bust him at? A massage parlor. 
I've been to massage parlors. That, that, that embarrassed him, and it lets you know how he gets down. And he, he, he doesn't, tr if, if a billionaire is hitting up massage parlors and not bringing the massage parlors to his own house, if he's hitting them up randomly and regularly, trust me, there's a lot more sin there that he doesn't want to cop to, doesn't want to confess to, doesn't want to be rid of, he wants to continue on in that vein, and so he's locked in, and that's why he runs around, he wants to be best friends with Meek Mill, that's why he's on stage dancing with Cardi B, he, he likes that life, he doesn't want to give it up, and so he can't stand on his true values. He has to give in to his sinful nature and keep his mouth shut and keep his head down, and, and, and just hope that, oh, I got busted, it'll go away, and, and let me stay out of this. I can't stand for anything because I refuse to clean up my life and get right with God. And there's a lot of guys like that. You know, I, only be speculation, but I think Jerry Jones shares a lot of our values. Mm -hmm. Is he willing to clean up his life so that he can stand on those values? That's the issue, and it is tough, when, particularly when you've been out in that world, it is tough to, to clean yourself up and, and unnormalize things that had been normal, uh, and, 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 or yeah, unnormalize things that had been normal and you know, give it into your, your flesh and pleasure and all that, it's, it's hard, but if Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, any of these billionaires, if they, ever, if they seriously want to clean up America, they're going to have to come up out of that so they can stand on these values that they truly believe in, but just aren't man enough right now to do the things necessary so they can stand on it. Just takes one. It's the Ash Conformity Experiment. If you don't know what it is, look it up. It takes one person to get everybody else to step out. And so, one. Do, I mean, you're doing this for a lot of people. How many guys walked up at roll call and were like, hey man, you cleaned up your life, I'm cleaning up mine too. You know, you, it takes one person who's willing to lose things to step out and now suddenly, are you gonna oust 40% of the NFL of guys who agree but haven't lived perfect lives? Are you gonna oust 70% of the NBA? Right, it's like you can get these guys on, well he said the N word one time, so we're gonna remove him from the board of governors because we're not even comfortable calling ourselves owners even though we own the team. That group of people are largely, I mean, they're in the generation. This is, that's a group of 70-year-olds. That generation grew up as Christians. And so, look, I'm, I'm nervous about my generation. When I'm giving these talks, when, when we're 50, 60, 70 years old for me, I'm not convinced that these people have been taught my values. I'm convinced the, these owners grew up with my values because that's what America was back then. So these guys all had it in them. So you can look around. When I go into a room of 70-year-olds, I assume they agree with me. When I go into a room of 20-year-olds, I assume they're retarded, right? And hopefully they grow up. They've not been given good values. We've moved away. And so this group, just somebody step out. Robert Kraft, maybe it's you. Say, you know, maybe I've done some really dumb things, and I certainly have. And yet, I still don't believe we should murder babies. I, those, those two things don't seem connected to me. But if you want to oust me because I don't think you should murder babies, then, you know, have at it. I think I'll be okay. And there's a group of other guys that also believe that who aren't willing to stay out. But one guy's got to do it. And then the next comes and then the next. They got to do it by, by 
I, I'm, I am trying to show you how to do it. I, I've told you I was involved in an abortion. I've talked about it on this show. I, I was, I was, you're going to have to cop to it because, again, they, they can't take that pro-life stance because they're sitting there saying, oh, there's five women I've signed an NDA, NDA with, uh, gave them a couple hundred thousand dollars to make the baby go away. And, and guys, I'm telling you, you can be forgiven, cop to it, admit it. Yep, that was me. I regret it. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Cop, cop to it. It, it it's, it's, it's better than the reverse, doing nothing, saying nothing, living with it, living with the guilt of it, and letting this country go to hell in a handbasket. Uh, TJ, I got to go. This is going to be a long show. I was hoping to... Uh, so uh, you guys buckle up, keep hitting that like button, uh, keep pounding the uh, five-star reviews on Apple. It's going to be a long little marathon show. I apologize. We may, we may go two hours here, but I just went 15, 20 minutes longer with TJ than I planned on. But this topic's too important, and, and, and we got we to gotta flush this out, and I got to explain it to you, and I got to explain it to myself. Uh, all of the conversations are just helping me think this through and what, what we need to do here at Fearless and what we need to do as men and just, uh, anyway, we're going to have a great show. It's going to be a little long. Stick with me. It's going to be worth it. Uh, hey, the other thing you can do is go check out my man Steve Dace's new movie, Nefarious. I've seen it already. You've heard me talk about it. It's a very good uh, movie. You know I don't like most movies. I fall asleep or leave most, most movies. Will not, did not happen with Nefarious. It's a great little thriller about a man on death row and a psychiatrist who comes in to interview him and find out if the man is sane enough to uh, uh, accept that death penalty and be put to death. Uh, I'm not going to blow it for you, but, uh, you know, this is a movie about demons and, you know, just a dark mindset. It's, it's a little bit supernatural. It's a supernatural thriller. Uh, go to, if you want tickets and find out where it's playing, at whoisnefarious.com. That's whoisnefarious.com. Virgil Walker, next. Let's bring in Virgil Walker from G3 Ministries to help unpack a little bit more of this uh, Matt Walsh conversation. Then I got a couple other things I, I, I want to talk, or at least one other thing I want to talk with Virgil about. Virgil, did you see the video we played with, with TJ Moe of the transgender man uh, saying that you know he was willing to turn violent if, if someone stopped him from going to the bathroom he wants? Yes, I did. It was that. unbelievable to to see it, but not at the same time, not at all surprising. It was a couple of nights ago um, uh, that, that Jason, that I, I recall um, uh, on, on a Tucker Carlson episode, I think it was, where he covered the fact that uh, N, uh, uh, NPR radio had did had did a um, had, had a, a particular article or, or some story that they were covering where more and more people who had embraced uh, transgenderism were actually arming up. You know, they were beginning to go to shooting ranges, gun ranges, uh, and, and learning how to shoot. And all of this 
uh, was in an, in an effort to, uh, you know, not not simply defend themselves, but but uh, to to push forward their agenda. It, it was a it was a we're not going to take it anymore kind of approach to their particular worldview. That was I want to say it was a few nights ago. So that leads me to this question: Is is a violent conflict inevitable between evangelicals? and the transgender LGBTQ crowd? Yeah, I, I, violent conflict, I, I would say, it, given the size and scope of the, of the population of those who are in the, the, the transgender community, I, I'd say that's doubtful. However, I do believe that, that violence is an option for any worldview that is godless. Uh, any godless ideology, any ideology that has embraced the idea that there is no God and that they can determine their sex and or gender uh, on the basis of how they feel during the course of the day, they've bowed the knee to the altar of feelings and emotion. Uh, any, anybody who's done that, one, we, we automatically recognize that there's a mental uh, issue there, that, that, that there, there are mental issues that need to be a, a addressed there. But secondarily, uh, they can justify violent behavior uh, because of the way that they think about life. I mean, we witnessed that in Tennessee just, just weeks ago. Uh, we witnessed this transgender individual going into a Christian school and shooting, you know, shooting up kids uh, and adults. But the justification was simply that, you know, that, that, they, that they didn't want to feel attacked anymore. And then you had a, a media complex that followed that same storyline to, to validate, uh, you know, the, the acting out of this transgender individual simply because, you know, they, they are oppressed or, or shouldn't we expect that kind of behavior? And, and you, you saw that in the, uh, the, the video that you played earlier, you know, he, he, the, the individual uh, oversized male uh, pretending to be a woman, he, he starts his conversation by saying, uh, you know, if you push a push an animal in the back of a of a room, that animal will will eventually lash out. Well, let's pump the brakes. We are not animals. We, we are human beings created in the image of God that have an ability to think, uh, have ability to to respond in respectful ways. Uh, issues when confronted can 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 logically process things. So, no, we're not animals. But when you have a godless worldview you view yourself in any facet or form that's to your advantage when you lash out and do behavior like this, at, at violent behavior. T to directly answer your question, I don't believe a, a, a violent uh, conflict is on the mount, but, but I do believe that we will indeed see more and more of those who are in the transgender movement, more and more of those who hold a transgender ideology, validating acts of violence, justifying acts of violence in the name of their agenda. And so I think the transgender movement is attached to the pedophile, pedophilia movement. And, you know, from Epstein Island to, you know, I'm someone that believes there is a, a cabal or a coalition of people that uh, I don't believe in child sex. And I'm so I, I'm just wondering as a Christian, what does the Bible say? When is it justifiable to say, you know what, Nana, I, I can't go there and by any means necessary, I'm going to put a stop to this. 
Yeah. And if 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 it if I got to do it with a musket, again, if they're if they're going to try to normalize, legalize pedophilia, for me, I don't know if I'm biblically sound here, but that's worth grabbing a musket and and putting people down if 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 they want to try to legalize pedophilia and I, and I believe that's where this is headed. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that is where this is headed. If you if you notice maybe a few days ago, maybe a week ago, uh, the UN made a move to minimize or to decriminalize uh, age of consent. Uh, you know, they, they, there was a, a statement that was made by the UN that's, that, that is trying to dial back uh, any kind of uh, uh, legal action that countries around the world take as it relates to an age of consent. Uh, so that, that, that's already out there. So as, as, you're, you're, as you're talking about this and your thought is, well, there's a cabal that's after our kids. Well, I think they're out in the open now. Uh, we, we've, already, uh, we're already, we've already witnessed a deconstruction of language from pedophilia to minor attracted persons. And so th- this is out in the open and anyone who isn't seeing it, uh, they're, they're absolutely, th- their eyes are closed. Um, I, I, all of this, Jason, is absolutely an, an assault on, on Christian faith, on the Ju- Judeo-Christian worldview. But even further than that, it actually represents a direct onslaught against God's created order. Uh, we have to begin thinking about these things, and we can't sit idly by waiting for the next thing to drop, uh, waiting for the next thing to happen. Uh, I, I do think we have a responsibility uh, to protect uh, our families uh, and, and, and as a result to ensure that they're not in harm's way. Uh, I'm not advocating, you know, Christian men sh- uh, race to the next target, uh, uh, you know, store and, and wait for someone who's transgender to enter and, and, and start shooting. I, I, we wouldn't want that kind of thing at all to happen. And, and we, we've got to recognize that the weapons of our warfare are very different uh, than those of, of others. Scripture is, is clear on that. I think we do do things like what you're doing. We, sp- we, we shine a spotlight on this crazy, chaotic world in which we live and recognize that the answer and the solution is indeed the gospel proclamation. But it is also a prophetic voice. Uh, it is imperative that we sound the alarm loud and far that this is crazy and that it's happening. And right now, as it stands, there are laws on the books to fight against it. Christians are going to have to be active uh, in, in their in, at, at church, uh, in their in the public square, and in spaces and places that matter for the purpose of protecting that which matters. So, you talked about I think you used the word insanity, and <laughs> and we're living in an insane time. Stephen Wolf uh, wrote a book, uh, The Case for Christian Nationalism. He put out a tweet in the last 24, 48 hours uh, saying white evangelicals are the lone bulwark against the moral insanity uh, hurting America. Uh, I think the tweet bothered you more than it did me, but I'll, I'll let you fire first. What did you, what did you think of Stephen Wolf's tweet? Yeah, I, I, I've, the thing is, I've read Stephen Wolf's book. Uh, I've, I've, I've covered it from cover to cover. I know kind of what he's saying and where this is going. And, and, and I'll, I'll admit, perhaps my response was a bit knee jerk in its, in its inception. Uh, and here's, here's the reason why. 
Um, Jason, for the last three to five years, uh, myself, men like Vody Bauckham, uh, partners like my, my buddy uh, Daryl Harrison, uh, all black men uh, have, have fought vociferously against the left and their ideological framework that looks at whiteness as sinful. That's all we heard for the last five years. And, and, and Vody, uh, the, the, you know, there, there are others, um, you know, my, like I said, my partner, Daryl Harrison, myself, black guys who are in evangelical circles who are taking on the, the, the I mean, we're, we're, we're on the front lines of this social justice battle. And, and we're saying anyone who's, who's making the claim that whiteness is, is sinful, you're, you're, A, you're wrong, but B, we're not, you're, not, you're not even proclaiming Christian faith, Christian values. So here we were, not many white evangelicals at first when the social justice thing hit were saying much of anything. They were consulting, trying to figure out what was going on, trying to identify what was happening. We were there saying what we were saying, and, and there weren't a whole lot of white evangelicals. They, they were primarily trying to figure things out as we took on the front edge of, of a battle. And then for me, only to look to my right and to see someone make the claim that, and, and, and at, the t- at the time, neither myself or any of the people that I've mentioned are, are touting the fact that, hey, these, the, 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 there's only a handful of black men who are saying it, we could care less about the color of our skin. We were more concerned about right and wrong. We were more concerned about what was evil, what was sinful, and what needed to be done about it. Only in my mind to turn to my right and then to see the idea that that white evangelicals are the lone bulwark against moral insanity. And I'm thinking, what what does their whiteness have to do with standing against that which is right or wrong? Furthermore, when you make statements like the lone bulwark, what that says is that uh, guys like me aren't, aren't, aren't needed, aren't necessary. Now, further down, again, and, and again, in fairness to Wolf, I recognize that what he's talking about is a voting block, a voting block of white evangelicals, and that, that, as they, that, that Christian conservatives, white Christian conservatives particularly, have stood against issues like abortion or have stood against issues, uh, you know, other, other moral issues, and that they've been a framework for against the decay. Unfortunately, his initial tweet did not clarify that, and what it, what it put to the fore was the color of the skin of the individual. And the color of their skin had nothing to do with what they stood for. If anything in that sentence mattered, it was the evangelicalism that informed their worldview by which they stood to begin with. Stephen Wolf would have been wiser to say something along the lines of evangelicals, particularly those who happen to be white, have been a bulwark against uh, uh, the moral insanity and decay of the culture. That would have been fair because that language is inclusive. That language would have included me, even though it said evangelicals. When, when it said evangelicals, I'm one of those who happen to be white. I'm not one of those, but I'm in part of the evangelical culture standing against the insanity of the culture. And so one of the things that, that, I, th- that, was, that was a portion of my problem. One, the language that he used was absolutely muddied. Uh, it didn't. It was not an inclusive statement. It was an exclusive statement. I recognize he, and, and again, to his defense, his claim was, well, I'm, ju- I'm simply talking about a voting block. Well, it would have been fine to say uh, 80%, 90% of, evangel- of, of white evangelicals have voted for this, this, and this. That's a statement about a voting block. 
This, on the other hand, alongside a, a Norman Rockwell painting, you know, that, that, that points to a different era and time in our country, has a different, communicates a very different kind of thing. And so I, I, I say all of that to say, again, maybe perhaps my response was a bit knee jerk, but, but at the same time, uh, it wasn't, uh, I, I, think, I think it was merited for us to have, uh, to continue the conversation. Last thing I'll say ab about that is, is this. Uh, there's a deeper conversation about this issue of, uh, of Christian nationalism uh, that we're going to be participating in. We, those of us who are at G3, are going to be participating in over the course of the next few weeks and months as we move forward. And uh, it's, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. I won't get ahead of, of, of leadership here uh, at G3, but I, but I will tell you this. Uh, th there's a lot to be thought through with regard to the issue of Christian nationalism. Initially, Jason, when the charge of Christian nationalism was put forward, it was simply a charge by those who didn't like Christianity, uh, who didn't like the Judeo-Christian worldview. They would lump everything together. And when they said Christian nationalists, what they always meant was white Christian nationalists. So it was an effort to just shut down the conversation. That's what was initially happened. That's, that's what initially happened. Right now, there are some who are trying to reclaim that language and are trying to uh, repackage it in a way that they feel like would be to their advantage, both p politically, uh, theologically, and otherwise. And, and before we all embrace, before we in evangelicalism embrace this idea, it's critical that we pump the brakes and look at definitions, particularly the definition of nationalism. And nationalism has always required separatism, right? It's always required separatism, whether it's cultural, ethnic, racial, however you divide those. And, and if we're going to separate, I want to know where the lines are drawn. And, and, and then I want to know how you're going to implement these kinds of things that you're positing. There's a lot of questions to be asked and answered in this, in this framework. And, and I will tell you over the course of the next weeks and months, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to do a deeper dive into those things. So I was going to ask you about his book and, and that topic. And I was going to ask it probably this way that Looking at his tweet, did you package it up with his book and the fact that you guys are evaluating this issue right now so extensively and thoroughly? And, and so the tweet wasn't just standing out there alone. It had the baggage of the book and this whole conversation you're having because I'll just say when I read his tweet, I wasn't offended. I was concerned. He was saying sure. out loud something that I feel like, where are the black evangelicals on this moral insanity that's going on in America? Or, or, when I see Raphael Warnock calling himself a pro-choice uh, pro pastor, mm -hmm. I'm like, this dude's not an evangelical. He, he's, mm -hmm. he's a politician masquerading as a religious person, as a Christian, and I see too much of the black church uh, selling out God and the Bible for political power and gain. And that, and, and so I saw his tweet, I'm not offended, I'm, 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 it just elevates my concern. I'm, this man's seeing the same thing I'm seeing. I, I, I'm looking around at the black church, like, Y'all reading the same Bible as me? We're locked in on these positions. We're locked in on same-sex marriage. We're locked in on the transgender issue. We're locked in on uh, pro-life, pro-choice uh, pro issue. 
who who are we st- and 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 what he the guy said is like no white evangelicals appear to be with their actions standing on biblical values and 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 he's he he can't go where I would go probably or just cuz I think in 1950 1960 if there was twitter around uh we would have been tweeting out black evangelicals are the lone bulwark uh, fighting, uh, standing against this moral insanity that's going on in America, and no one would be offended. Everybody say, "Yeah, yeah, it looks like the black church, man, they got it together." You know that they're, they, and and right now, it doesn't look like we got it together. It looks like we're a political group more than an evangelical group. Right. No, I, I, I totally appreciate what you're saying. And, and I, I, to answer the first part of your question, I have a little bit more framework for why I responded in the way that I did. Absolutely. Uh, I've read the book. I understand where this is, is, is kind of going. I've done some evaluative uh, uh, research on nationalism and, and looked at, at its damaging impact uh, on every nation uh, and group that has tried it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be writing a piece where I go into greater detail about that. So I won't, I won't start that here. But what I will say is, Jason, like you and me, we've been critical of the black church. Uh, so this is not an instance where a white guy can't say something positive about white people or he's deemed a racist. That's not at all the case. Uh, furthermore, I've said ne- I, I, you could probably find more of my writing that are that is critical of the black church. Uh, than you can anything positive. I One of the first uh, things I wrote was a letter to black pastors. Uh, one of the first reasons why you pulled me on the show was to talk about this letter where we addressed those very same concerns that you just raised. So this is not someone who's pro-black, who can't stand to see something said about some, some white guy. I fought against the notion that whiteness is inherently sinful. I fought against that for the last four or five years. I, I've stood on every platform that I can't, that I could, to, to take that stigma away and go. That's that's not all the case. There's nothing wrong with being white in the same way that there's nothing wrong with being black. Sinfulness has nothing to do with skin with 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 one's skin color. Uh, in the same way that sin has no part of skin color, righteousness does not either. And so if, if we begin to use language that seems to reflect that, white evangelicals are the lone bulwark against, uh, you know, against immorality uh, or for or for or standing against uh, for, for moralism. What about their skin color had anything to do with it? If we're simply identifying a group, I, I'd simply say this and, and giving him the benefit of the doubt. If the goal was to simply identify a particular voting bloc, that th- there's nothing wrong with that. I simply think that the language under it or around it could have been more clearly stated, and none of us would have had this, the the kinds of Twitter exchanges that we've had over the last 24 to 48 hours after this thing uh, after this thing uh, presented itself. But but can we not diagnose that d- doesn't sickle cell run more? rampant among black people and 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 so i think it's important that people know that about sickle cell and and that doctors know that so they come someone comes in they know oh well let's check for sickle cell and blah 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 
And, and, and right now, I think it's important that we understand that something's going on in the culture that is turning black alleged evangelicals against the word of God. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it's important to know that. And this whole show is about trying to educate people on like, hey, look, there's a group of people playing a, a game with your mind and they're twisting the Bible and racializing the Bible and making you think, well, the, the only thing I'm really interested in in the Bible uh, are the handful of things that you know I can use to, to fight for racial justice. And, and all this other stuff, abortion, gay marriage, any of that, that's all fungible and toss it out and that's a reflection of white male patriarchal, blah, blah, blah. And so I do think there's a a particular, lack of better description, disease running through the black church, racial idolatry, that, that is making us bow on all of these highly important biblical issues and biblical views, and and we look weak. And 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 again, we're 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 seeing constant videos of unparented, unfathered kids doing all kinds of insanity and craziness, and we're just hoping it's going to go away, mm-hmm. rather than having real conversations saying like. Hey, fatherlessness is running rampant among us, and we shouldn't be shocked that our kids are jumping on people, uh, interracial couples in Chicago, and looting Walmarts and things like that. These kids are fatherless, and this is what goes along. This has nothing to do with your skin color. This has to do with the destruction of family. And, And so we as Black people, we got to turn back to family and God if we want to correct this. There's nothing wrong with our skin color. There, there's nothing about our skin color that, that, that makes us do these things other than the mind game that culture has played on people of a, per, a certain skin color to make them abandon the, the and what what just drives me crazy is just like it's good if they ever write a new bible we're going to be the stars of it we're going to be the look at what these people overcame by sticking with god and then once they got almost to the promised land and 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 got the equality they were looking for in the greatest land ever uh, made then they turned against god and now look, it's mind blowing to me. No, it is. Jason, you're not going to get pushback from me on any of that uh, related to black culture, what we're seeing in the black community, what we're seeing in the streets of Chicago. I'm writing about this stuff. We, you and I have talked about it. You talk about it on this show. I'm connected with the, the, you know, with everything that's happening at Fearless because I want to have that conversation. I want to tell black folks and black churches, you've got to turn back to God. But, but as we do, and as, as I, as, as, as I have efforted to push blacks away from racial idolatry, 
I don't want to I don't want to push them away from that only to then turn and see racial idolatry embraced as that, quote unquote, race follows whiteness. That's that's and when and, and what I, and again, I'm not looking at the tweet simply on face value. I know that, that step two, three, four and five that's about to take place. And as a result, I'm cautioning. I'm simply saying before we see the tweet as benign and say, ah, it's not, it's not that. Yeah, 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 that's right. We pump the brakes and make sure that what we're connecting to is a description. Hey, white evangelicals is simply a description and not a direction. We're not, we're not following white evangelicals. We're following Christ and him crucified. We're following the Bible. We've got to get back, not to, not to leaving this to follow whites. We, we've got to follow Christ. We've got to follow the Bible. We've got to follow God. It's not the whiteness. It's, it's, the, it's the evangelical, the good news of what they're sharing, of what's being shared in that framework that should inform us. And, and, and again, there's nothing wrong with any critique. Any critique that I'm going to give, I'm, I'm going to tell, hey, blacks, and I, I'll, I'll identify, not all blacks, but the black church. And, and again, it, it's, a, it's an idea of what's known, uh, of, of what people know and understand. But what I won't say is where, where I find something good or right, it has nothing to do with their ethnicity in the same way that what's wrong has little to do with their, the color of their skin and everything to do with a cultural component that they're embracing that needs to be let go of. And what they need to hold on to is not white or black or red or brown or yellow. What they need to hold on to is Christ and him crucified alone. And that has to be made clear. Yes, we need to do battle, but how we do battle is critically important as well. And if we just do, if we, if we just link up and, 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 and follow a direction because it sounds right, that can be problematic. What we need to be more concerned with is, is it right? Thank you, Virgil. Great job as always. Appreciate it. Make sure you guys are hitting the likes. Make sure you're hitting the notifications, you're subscribing. If you're listening on Apple, give me the five-star review. Write a little review in there. Tell us how good we're doing or how bad we're doing. I'd love to read it all. Uh, Shamika Michelle, thanks. All right, welcome back. Let's roll out to North Carolina, bring in Shamoke Show, Shamika Michelle. Shamika's gonna, I don't wanna call it make it make sense because this isn't make it make sense, but I, I do wanna know what is going on with Jonathan Majors? I don't know, Shamika, if you follow football closely enough, but this is starting to remind me of Deshaun Watson, the NFL quarterback that was in, you know, had all these problems with masseuses and ended up with 25, 30 allegations. And now Jonathan Majors, the bright young star in Hollywood. Uh, I don't think, you don't like the way he pierces his lips. Uh, But anyway, uh, he was supposed to be the next big thing, the next Denzel Washington, the next Wesley Snipes, the next whatever. And now uh, he's got these assault allegations, domestic violence allegations are problems, and he's losing all of his sponsors, his business partners are walking away from him, and there are reports that uh, there will be even more people 
uh, more women making allegations against him. Uh, do you think Jonathan Majors uh, can survive this onslaught of bad publicity and perhaps bad behavior? It's getting hot in here. I mean, <laughs> they have turned up the heat on this brother. But yes, Jason, I do think he can still survive. To me, he is still uh, innocent until proven guilty. But listen, even if he did it, I would say it's because he is gay and angry. And the black community is not very accepting. We're very judgmental. It would have made him very hard to come out of the closet. And with his rising star in Hollywood and being promoted and pushed as this, you know, buff actor who is the ladies man who is just good looking he really didn't know how to come out and be true to himself and so it made him really really angry and you know he just didn't know how to deal with those emotions i just gave him an out listen this is what he's gonna have to do in order i think to save his career i pledge allegiance to the flag without the L. Uh, and <laughs> it's sad. <laughs> but that's what's about to happen. This is buck breaking in real time. Um, I just don't know what he's going to do unless he really has a strong faith in God because if God before you, who can be against you? If, if he did this and he wants to hold on to his career, I don't see any other way out for him. I really don't. And so if he, you know, we were talking this morning, y'all mentioned some actor, Ezra, somebody maybe. That, Ezra that Miller. Pledged to Ezra Miller. He got jammed up and came out or, or survived because he's alternative. Well, yeah, they've been speculating that he's alternative and that he made some type of allegiance. In April of 2022, I think it was, he got into some type of altercation with the young woman or he got upset through a chair and it left a half inch gash in her forehead. And then some months after that, he was, you know, uh, arrested for stealing alcohol. And so people are saying that he saved his career by kind of walking that fine line and making some type of allegiance, you know, like I'm not necessarily this evil straight white man. And so people are saying in order for Jonathan Majors to do that, he's going to have to bend a little bit. And I think it'll be believable, especially the way he purses those lips. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to move on before I get myself in trouble. I don't mind you getting in trouble, but I, I got to stay out of trouble. Uh, little clarity about what went on in Chicago that uh, we played the video. I think, do we still have, well, do we have the clip of the woman getting beat up or apparently getting, let's, can we start there, Justin? And, and no, we don't have the video. We showed it to you earlier in the week woman, bunch of little teenage black kids appeared to be beating up a young white woman. Come to find out they were beating up her and her black boyfriend. I think we have a clip here of the couple 
uh, explain in details. Let's let's play that. Just downtown in Chicago, trying to shop, you know, trying to get some food. And we were walking down the street, and there was a really big group of, of guys, a really big group, big group of people. And girls. Yeah, guys and girls. And, you know, DJ had my hand, and he was trying to lead me through the crowd of people. And they pushed him, they pushed me. And as soon as they pushed me, I told DJ, I said, hey, you know, they, they just shoved me. And he asked them, he was like, yo, don't shove her who shoved her and as soon as he said that everything went crazy you know they said they're gonna kill us they turned around and you know started fighting you know so sorry I got pushed to down that. to the ground and yeah I got pushed down to the ground and the whole group of people went to DJ not me like I have a lot less injuries than he does because I was a, more of a bystander than anything but everyone went for him and it ended up in the middle of the street they were jumping him in the middle of the street it got pretty bad. So, if this had happened when I was a kid, and, and it, it would have been a group of white kids beating up an interracial couple, and we would have called it racism, and everybody would be outraged. And so, this to me speaks to just how upside down things have gone that the racist, they're us. I'm just, they're us. And, and, and I just, and maybe I'm not, maybe my Twitter feed is rigged a different way. I just don't see stories like this where interracial couples are getting jumped and beat up by white people or white kids. It, it, we've turned this whole thing upside down that looks like, we're the KKK, and I, you know, I've been saying that for years. Uh, anyway, your thoughts? Yeah, Jason, you said a few months ago that black people don't want to eradicate racism. They just want to be the ones, you know, doing it all and be the superior ones on top. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. First, I would also like to point out, Jason, that this man wanted peace so bad, he went and got him a three. Uh, it So it speaks volumes <laughs> that, you know, men are tired of foolishness. But yes, you know, I think it was really sad. He was doing what we tell men to do. Instead of his, his woman, you know, kind of trying to fuss them out, she told him or he witnessed what they were doing to her. And he really tried to defend her and keep her safe. And this is what happened to him because of it. And they're speculating that this is it, the the end of these kids coming out. They're expecting them to do the same thing this coming weekend. And it really shows what we've been talking about on this show. What are the parents doing? Because this starts at home. Are you asking your children, where are they going? Why are they out at night? What are they doing? You're just letting them run rogue through the city. And then the moment they are shot or harmed, all of a sudden, it's racism. No, this isn't racism. This is your kids being unruly and acting like untamed gorillas just roving the streets. This is something that needs to be taken care of. And I, I am glad that, you know, I'm not happy for the young man, but I am glad that he was involved in it because I know so many black people would have turned a blind eye to it simply because, oh, it's a white woman 
and she's getting what she deserved or she's getting what our our people had to deal with for so long, the story would have just gone, you know, they, they wouldn't have cared. And so I am glad that this young man is having to speak out. I'm glad that this woman stepped in and she said that the police weren't doing anything. I think the police chief now, or they're trying to say it, they're uh, outnumbered. And so they were told to kind of stand down, but this needs to fall back on the parents. What are you doing to raise your children to not be out there doing this? And this now this young man, he said he had his shoulder. He feels like it's out of place. Something is going on with his nose. This is what's happening in Chicago. And it seems it's only going to get worse. Where do you come down on the argument? And it's like Chris Rock alluded to it in his last stand up special like that. Black people actually have a bigger problem with interracial couples than white people. It, it, you think that's accurate? I definitely think black women have a bigger issue seeing black men with the white woman than they do when that a black woman gets with a white man. When a black woman gets with the white man, black women rally behind her. That's right, girl. Uh, white is right. You do that. You know, they cheer her on. But when you it's the other way around. They're just immediately angry. And so I, I definitely think that. I'm going to be inappropriately transparent here. I, no one killed me. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. I, I do feel some kind of way when I see a black woman with a white man. And it's very hypocritical on my part. Oh, yeah. It's very hypocritical on my part. Very hypocritical. And, and, and I can't say it's, it's well, I, can, I feel some sort of way about it. I, I, I do. And it's completely and totally hypocritical on my part, given my history. But I'm just, I, I have I no, I can't explain it. That's just me being real. I will say that um, I was riding with TJ and Hadley one of those times we were in Nashville and they stopped me by the store. And as I was walking in, there was a black guy coming out and I felt so convicted that he was looking in this car and I was with two white men. I wanted to turn around and say, no, we work together. It's not what you think. <laughs> I just, I just felt like he gave me this evil eye, like, sister, what are you doing? And I just wanted to explain to him, it is not what you think. So, you know, it's funny that you say that because he didn't even say anything, but I immediately felt bad, like I needed to explain to him that, you know, it wasn't what it looked like. <laughs> if, if, you know, be, and particularly with, with Jordan, on here in a minute coming after you. Uh, my family will be watching today's show and, and very closely and they'll hear me say this and they're sitting there like, I wish I, they're probably, I wish I was there because I'd slap the taste out of Jason's mouth for saying that me white girls, you done brought it. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest. I don't, I don't, I don't know why, but that is what I think. And it's not a super negative thing. And anybody that knows me knows, you know, I ain't got no problem with white people. 
But I'm just keeping it real. And, and once, once I understood that, and then I understood how my father certainly felt about interracial, that's why I'm very, I'm just not judgmental towards the white man that's like, nah, man, leave our women alone. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's a crazy thought for them to have. Just keeping it real. <laughs> and, and so anyway, I'll give you the final thought while my family sits around and thinks about how they're going to attack me as soon as I come home. Yeah, I used to tell my family, like my younger cousins, stay away from, from white women. I used to be that one to always give them those instructions because my mother gave me that instruction as a little girl. Don't bring no white boys home. And I remember I went out with one one time and we were standing on the porch at my grandmother's house and my mother's car drove up and I could have just melted. Like you could have bought me for two cents because I was thinking, oh my God, my mama's going to embarrass me. You know, she didn't say anything, but I can tell you he was the last white person I've ever brought home. But now I'm a little bit more accepting, except especially because I know interracial couples and some of the women that my family have brought home, like I love, you know, I don't even see them as, my white aunt is just my aunt or, you know, and so, but it's funny that you say that because I was that person. Like my cousins can tell you, I would be the one to tell them, don't you do it. Don't dare do it. But now, you know, might be a little peace. And if you look at that young man in the video, looks like he chose peace over any other thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm certainly now I'm sitting here thinking about I want to I did it, but I'm thinking about uh, my brother from another mother and he, his daughter uh, recently married a white dude. And and I told him and everybody I was like, they're getting married over shared values because I, I literally was telling my friend for years because you got two beautiful daughters and I was like, the way y'all raising your daughters and, and all of that, they're gonna have a hard time finding a black man because they're not gonna have shared values with them. That, you know, y'all raising them in this Cosby environment and, and all these black men are being raised in this baby mama matriarchal environment, divorced from the church. And I said, they're gonna have a rough time. And, and I'm sitting here thinking about another partner of mine and his daughter. She got a white boyfriend. Got no problem with it. And all these girls I'm talking about, beautiful, drop dead beautiful. Anybody would love to date them. And, but I get it. When, when, when you've invested all that in your daughter and your kids and you've instilled them with your values and they got all these traditional values and blah, blah, blah. And, and do you if everybody's going to be tatted up and trying to be gangster and want to like Ja Morant, and they daughter's like, no, nah, I really don't want that. I, I, I want somebody that's got a little biblical foundation and all that other stuff. I can't be mad at them and, and you know, bless them. Go, go get you somebody you equally yoke with spiritually and, and screw the rest. So anyway, we'll end on a more positive note <laughs> than me getting trash. Because trust, my mother will be blowing up my phone tonight, uh, cursing me out. Because she, you know, she's, she's got a little racial idolatry issue. I love you, Mama, but you got that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, thank you. Great job, Shamika. Uh, make sure uh, you're hitting the likes, 
You give me those five-star reviews on Apple. Uh, we're going to bring my little cousin Jordan Bowles back. He's been making it happen on the approval rating app. If you would do the same, you could be right here on the show talking some NBA with me or whatever you're interested in. Uh, Jordan Bowles, thanks. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to roll out to uh, West Lafayette, Indiana. Uh, we're going to bring back Jordan Bowles. He's been all over the approval rating app. I've been telling you guys, if you want to come on the show, download the approval rating app. It's in the App Store or the Apple Store on your iPhone. It's in the Google Play Store on your Android. Uh, maybe you'll have a provocative take on someone. You'll attract my attention, and you'll be right where Jordan is right now. Jordan's an NBA enthusiast. As I told you all yesterday, or two days ago, his dad and I uh, grew up together, his uncle and I grew up together, uh, his nieces, I mean not nieces, his aunties uh, grew up with, with me. I'm thinking Shelly, Rhonda, uh, why am I forgetting the most beautiful woman uh, in the world? Why am I forgetting Bubby and uh, Freddie's sister? Gina? She's the most beautiful woman in the world. I, Gina! Oh my God. Yeah, Gina, I'm sorry. Charlene, I love you to death. Uh, Love your grandson. He did a great job. We'll see if you can do it again. Uh, Jordan, I thought we had talked about removing the Westbrook jersey. It's, it's a bit of a distraction. Uh, it's never it, happened. It's a That's bad look for you. It, it's, it's a it's very bad happened. look for you. It's a beautiful uh, look. <laughs> beautiful look. I mean, just look at it. I mean, the numbers he put up in that yeah, is, I, is ridiculous. Yeah, I don't, I don't get the Westbrook. It, it makes you look like there's no substance to you, but... Do, do what you oh. want to do. You're a young guy. Uh, Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies uh, knock off the Lakers last night. Uh, is that a fluke, or does Memphis actually have a shot in this series? I won't say they don't have a shot, but what I will say is Dylan thinks he's poking a bear when he's really poking the king. Those are two completely different things. Um I don't know if you've ever read the book, uh, The Odyssey. Uh, if you have not, it's, you know, it's a pretty good book. I had to read it my freshman year in high school. Uh, the Robert Fagels translation. And Dylan and the Grizzlies are the suitors. And LeBron is Odysseus, the king, who has been gone for a little while. And the suitors think the king is dead. And now they're returning to the kingdom. Odysseus, LeBron is going to L.A., and Dylan wants 40, and that's what LeBron's going to give him, 40. Mm. Uh, let's watch the clip, Jordan, of Dylan Brooks last night basically saying LeBron's old and he doesn't have any respect for him. Play the clip. Well, the Lakers are making that run. They get up to 14. You and LeBron have that exchange. There are people out there that say maybe maybe you shouldn't do that with one of the better players in the game. What, I guess what, what were you thinking? I don't that? care. He's old. You know what I mean? That's, I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that game four, game five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. Um, he shouldn't have saying that earlier on. Um, but, you know, I poke bears. Um, I don't respect no one until they come and give me 40. Um, so um, I pride myself on, you know, what I do is defense and taking on any challenge that's on the board. You like 
Dylan Brooks, Jordan, do, do you like what he's doing here? Are you a fan of Dylan Brooks? Uh, I'd say I'm a fan of the animosity he's creating. Uh, I'm not a fan of him in general, like, as a player. Uh, he doesn't do much for me, but I like his activity and what he's bringing. Uh, he's trying to bring uh, LeBron about the depths a little bit, and, and, and like in the Odyssey, uh, Antonis, the head suitor, trying to take over the kingdom and say the king's dead, uh, ends up being slayed by the king. So I take you're thinking LeBron's going to drop forty. I, I'm I've seen LeBron get riled up and drop forty. I saw the forty-eight special against Detroit. I saw Danny Granger. Uh, I think in 2012 with the Pacers, try to yep. talk a little smack to LeBron, and LeBron dropped 40 on him. But 2012 is like 11 years ago. LeBron's 38 years old. I don't think he's going to do it. I, 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 I think that he, he, he may fall for the bait here that Dil Dylan Brooks wants LeBron trying to do too much on the offensive end. I think... Dylan Brooks may be playing a mind game with LeBron James, and it might work. I don't think so. I don't think so at all, actually. Uh, he got under LeBron's skin uh, just a smidge uh, last, in last night's game, and it's happened before for LeBron, but he bounces back that next game. I mean, we see Klay Thompson back in 2016. He said, I guess LeBron got his feelings hurt when Draymond rose up, uh, called him a B-word. Gave him a shot below the belt, and LeBron comes in. You know they're down three-one. I think Clay thought they had the series won. They dropped three straight, and they complete the comeback. Uh, Dylan has made a grave mistake, and uh, he's going to pay the ultimate price. Did I just see you got him rated at a forty on your book? Yeah, the man just won a playoff game, and you got him at a forty. I don't think highly of Dylan Brooks at all. Uh, I don't know where your thought process is. It might be a little bit back in, in your day, so to speak. But uh, like Kanye said before he went crazy, uh, old folks talking about back in my day, but homie, this is my day. And I think my new age thinking is definitely going to outdate yours and probably would outdate my father's, my uncle's, and anybody else who's up in age a little bit and has something to say about it. A 40, uh, that's too low for a man that just won a playoff game without Job ja Morant. Uh, did a good job. Beat, beat, you gotta, it's got to be higher than that. Last thing, I, I wonder if you have a take, because there's another little element that I don't think anybody's talking about in this. And, and I do, what I do like the fact that Dylan Brooks is bringing back bad blood to the NBA. The Memphis Grizzlies yeah. and the Lakers do not like each other. And there's another little element to this. Going back to L.A., uh, do you expect Shannon Sharp, LeBron's biggest groupie, to play any role in Game 3 back at, uh, it's not the Staples Center anymore, whatever they it's, call uh, it, the, the new arena. The Crypto.com arena. The crypt, Crypto. Crypto.com. You expect uh, Uncle Shea Shea, the gr LeBron's groupie, to play any role in Game 3? I think Uncle Shea Shea is coming from the top rope. Uh, I watch Shay a lot, and all he talks, he lives and breathes the king. Uh, so Shay's going to be front and center, and Dylan Brooks has had history with Shay before, 
and I think it's going to be some flair again. Uh, now they're losing. They don't have Steven Adams here to, to step uh, to the front like he did back in L.A., but it's not going to matter. LeBron's going to, LeBron's going to slaughter the suitor and, and Dylan Brooks and the Grizzlies, uh, and, and Shades is going to come from the top rope and, and be that extra little muscle the Lakers need from the sideline. You expect Shannon to be wearing his grandmama's sweater again tonight, perhaps? <laughs> uh, uh, will he be dressed Shannon, a little better? Uh, <laughs> I don't know about Shannon's attire back in L.A., uh, but I think he can put something really nice on. He has before, and I think he'll do he'll do a better job this time around. Me being a kind of a fashion icon-esque kind of guy, I, I think uh, Shay, can, Shay can throw on some better fits for sure. Yeah, I, I, I see. That must be my approval rating. I got Shannon at a fifth. Oh, no. hold on. Is that your that's approval me. rating? Yeah, that's my You got Shannon Sharp at a I thought you liked Shannon Sharp. You're right there with me. Uh, but I, I, I'd say he's not as great, but the the the, the younger I'm, – well, I'm a bit better than you. You gave you didn't give him much. I mean, his brand, I think, no, is I'm, better. No, I'm not a Shannon Sharp fan. And on yeah, uh, yeah. social I'm media, I follow fan. it a lot. And the young generation loves Uncle Shane. I know. I'm, a, I'm a, another another sign your daddy didn't raise you right, but we'll take care <laughs> of that uh, next time I'm home. Thank you, Jordan. Great job. Tell Charlene. Tell Gina, I apologize for Gina's the most beautiful woman in the history of the planet, and I forgot her name. I don't know how. I just talked to her yesterday. All right, anyway, play some tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation We all just wanna have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all receiving We all wanna be free We want freedom I just want, I wanna be I just want